Good afternoon, KZMU listeners in Moablandia and beyond. Some of you out there in the ether. It is the second Monday of January, and you regular KZMU listeners know what that means. At 4 p.m., it means it is time for the monthly installment of Great Wide Open. I guess I should say most second Mondays of most months, mostly at 4 p.m., but you know how we roll around here. If you are listening out there in the ether or the ethernet, uh, it could be any time. It could be any month because we do archive these recordings and you will be able to find this recording as well as all of our fantastic public affairs shows archived on the KZMU website or wherever you get your podcasts. In April of 2022, Moab local Sam Newman set out for a backyard bicycle jaunt he considered to be fairly run-of-the-mill. However, the ride turned out to be anything but that, as he suffered an accident that changed his life physically, mentally, and emotionally. Regular listeners of Great Wide Open will recall hearing Sam recount this harrowing incident, along with former Moab resident Haley Tamberry's account of a climbing accident she had several years ago, And their stories both dovetail and diverge in really interesting ways. And if you have not yet listened to that episode of Great Wide Open from October 2022, I would put a plug out to give it a listen. Both conversations had me on the edge of my seat, even with a general knowledge of the mechanism of the accidents and their relative recoveries. But what I did not know and what both of them shared so openly with all of us was the story of their internal journeys, both post-accident and on to the present. Not all of the conversation that Sam and I had made it to the original airing, so today we are going to present Sam's story in its original length. And during this, Sam provides us with quite a vulnerable glimpse into his internal journey during his recovery. I really want to thank Sam for sitting down and taking the time to tell me this story of his journey so we can share it with you. I'd also like to advise at this point that if there are any sensitive listeners out there, there will be discussion of serious bodily injury throughout this broadcast. If you or anyone who you may be around at broadcast time might be upset by such things. And now on to Sam's story. My name is Sam Newman. I live in Moab. Um, I've lived here seven years at this point. Uh, I moved here um, not entirely to rock climb, but climbing was definitely a part of it. I um, had some trouble finding climbing partners during the pandemic and Um, additionally I do construction work and I started to find that, uh, my work and my main hobby seemed to be giving me the same wear and tear on my back, especially. And, um, I was having a really hard time enjoying climbing between, um, navigating social dynamics with partners and, feeling like I was hurting myself all the time. And so in the last few years, I uh, 
kind of unexpectedly got really into mountain biking. Um, I've always ridden bikes. I really like riding bikes. I grew up working on bikes with my dad, road bikes. Um, and I actually, one of the first times I came to Moab was on a bike tour with climbing gear on a Bob trailer, uh, which I'm not sure I would necessarily recommend trying to go trad climbing by bike because you're kind of just tired all the time and have to eat more food than you can really carry. Um, but, uh, I started mountain biking and I guess it's important to say I didn't, I kind of intentionally didn't try mountain biking for a while because I had an impression that it was a really dangerous sport. Um, and I had never really done anything like it, you know, aside from like riding a road bike on dirt roads, which is pretty far away from the sort of biking that's around here. Um, and so I said to myself, I'm just going to try it, you know, and see, you know, maybe it'll be fun. Maybe it'll just be like a kind of a low, lower stakes hobby that I can blow off some steam with. And I, I bought a cheap bike from a friend that was pretty clapped out and just went to bar M a few times and, uh, found that it was a pretty natural fit for, what I like and need out of physical activity. You know, it's a lot easier to go for a bike ride on really short notice than partner climbing. Um, I was pretty stressed out from work and pandemic stuff and all kinds of other things. And so biking felt relaxing. Whereas a lot of times climbing, I found, you know, engaging with engaging with fear and risk in a really um front of mind sort of way while you're climbing upward i didn't really have a lot of room for that at that time and so biking just felt much easier and um i had a bunch of friends who ride bikes who have ridden bikes for a long time who are really skilled bikers who seem to be having a really fun time, who were really willing to include me in, um, in their rides, you know, even though I kind of viewed myself as a, a real beginner. Um, however, you know, I have a lot of comfort. I had a lot of comfort and fitness from just being in the desert. And so, you know, riding a bike over rocks, didn't really feel that different than hiking or climbing over, you know, I, I, the landscape wasn't new to me. So it felt kind of like pretty easy to go from, you know, dipping a toe into bar M trails to trying to go ride Ahab after work. Um, and, uh, I guess, I guess now that, um, from where I sit now, uh, it seems like a, a pretty slippery slope that I was on. Um, I guess I haven't talked about what happened to me yet. Um, so, uh, it also, biking also felt like a great fit with, with my work. I could, you know, I could work and then I could ride after work for like, you know, half an hour, an hour, two hours, like however really long I wanted. Um, I, uh, I had a day off. It was a Monday, April 25th. 
Um, I did something else in the morning. It was kind of a surprisingly nice day because there was a lot of wind during that time and it wasn't that windy. Um, and I decided to ride up to up Sand Flats Road and go ride Slick Rock um, from my house, which is a something I've done, you know, uh, enough times to feel fairly casual about it. Um, so, you know, I put on my hip bag and helmet and uh, I think I, I had even just bought a new pair of shoes to to ride with because I was destroying the approach shoes that I was riding in and I was feeling like um, really fit and happy to be able to go, you know, ride on a trail that people come from, you know, the world around to Moab to ride on in, you know, on my day off in half an afternoon. Um, I was by myself because I like riding by myself. It's, you know, I can kind of go at whatever pace I feel like faster or slower and stop and not kind of have to think about what's going on with somebody else. I can just sort of be present and it's a way that my, uh, I find it really relaxing, especially actually when I've been thinking about, you know, what do I like out of outdoor sports? Um, I think generally, you know, I gravitate towards biking or climbing or hiking or canyoneering or trail running. And the thing that I, that really stimulates me more than anything else is being somewhere that I haven't been before. And so even when I'm out on a ride that I've been on before, I try and find little pieces of terrain or little spurs, you know, that have some feeling of novelty. So I'm kind of a person who's always seeking a little bit of, of, I guess I'm, I'm hesitant to call it totally unknown because I, I'm definitely more of a backyard explorer than like an expedition, totally unknown kind of person. But anyway, uh, I went to ride Slick Rock. I was riding um, counterclockwise. And uh, the last thing I remember clearly that day um, is being at the far overlook, uh, like kind of overlooking the the river, Lions Park area, or looking where you can like kind of see into the portal from the top of the trail. And then um, I don't remember the ride back to the road. I don't remember um, passing the fee booth. But uh, what I do remember is waking up um, under a bush. uh, And I kind of knew where I was. I was at the bottom of the fin that is on the inside of the steep switchback just below the fee booth. I don't know if it has a name. I know people who ride it all the time. Someone has since told me that a motorcyclist died on it in the 80s. Um, I think he was drunk from what I've heard. Um, But I woke up and I was dazed and I figured I had fallen. But um, I wasn't in 
an enormous amount of pain, probably because I was in shock. And I looked at my wrist, my left wrist, and it looked pretty bad. I don't have a real specific memory of it, but I remember looking at it and thinking, I probably shouldn't look at that anymore. And then I thought, okay, well, I'm kind of hurt, but I know where I am. I'm pretty close to the road. I should, uh, I should try and, um, like get up and, and hobble over to the road and I can maybe get a ride to the hospital or get a ride home or something. And, um, and I grabbed the bush that I was laying under. I remember my feet were in the sand and, uh, I tried to pull myself up into a sitting position and I, I couldn't do that. I could, I couldn't even really roll over. And when I tried to move around a little bit, it, it, it hurt a lot more. Um, and before too long, I kind of realized I wasn't going to be able to get to the road or, uh, or really do anything. So I yelled for help a couple times because I figured, you know, I was pretty close to a place where people go and I could even hear cars going by, but no, you know, I was far enough away. I wasn't visible and nobody could really hear me cause you're, you know, blasting up the steep part of San Platts road in your side by side or whatever. And you're not going to hear, uh, somebody like yelling into a bush who's like a hundred feet away. Um, so, uh, the next thing I thought of is I carry a personal locator beacon when I generally, when I go do stuff by myself or with other people in the backcountry. I guess Slick Rock isn't super backcountry, but it's just a habit to take it with me. It's a something my brother got me um, that I never thought I would use. And I pulled it out and activated it. I was like, if I'm ever going to if I'm ever going to use this thing, now's the time. And I guess I wasn't thinking super clearly because I did have my phone with me, but I did not think of it. Just, I was like, this is the help thing. I'm going to use the help thing. So I pushed the button and after about two minutes, I guess I didn't really know what I expected to happen, but after about two minutes, I felt my phone vibrating in my pocket and remembered that I even had a phone and answered it. And it was uh, an officer from the Coast Guard and he said, hello, do you know your beacon's going off? And I said, yes, I do. I pushed it. I need help. And he said, well, if you can pick up your phone, then you should call 911 because it's going to be a lot faster than us relaying the signal. So I hung up. I called 911. I told them where I was. I don't remember the conversation. And they said, you know, we'll be there in 10 minutes. We hung up. I called my girlfriend and told her told her that I would hurt that I had hurt myself but I wasn't real specific kind of because I I didn't know really what had happened she said later that she thought I had just like loosened some teeth or something and kind of like cocked myself on the head but nothing too severe and I think I asked her how her day was going and just kind of wanted to talk to somebody and be distracted from what was happening to me. Uh, and then EMS got there maybe 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, something like that. I heard them, I heard them walking around. I think they said that it was hard to find me. Um, I don't know exactly why, but, uh, I remember them putting me on a backboard 
And then I don't remember the ambulance ride. I remember being in the ER in Moab um, and being kind of packaged up for a helicopter ride to St. Mary's. Um, And it was kind of around that time that I realized that, you know, there's really nothing, you know, I, I wasn't really an active participant in my care at that point because I was so immobile. Um, and I guess I was probably still in shock then, or I was definitely in shock at that point, although things were getting more painful. I was also on more drugs. Um, and I remember thinking, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like get through this and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna think very much about, you know, how long am I going to be here? Am I going to be messed up later? Am I, you know, am I going to be okay? Am I not going to be not okay? It was just like, I'm, I'm just kind of present in, in the hospital. And, um, which kind of like was great because, uh, I was in pretty good spirits most of the time I was in the hospital. It wasn't until later that I, I, um, started to have a real hard time with the reality of being injured. But I remember trying to tell jokes to the ER docs, um, mostly to give myself something to do, you know, cause laying there, having people move you around when you have a bunch of broken bones uh, is not very pleasant. Um, I remember getting ketamine when they put me on the helicopter, which was really weird. I went to kind of a place like in the movie Tron, that's just like an infinite geometric landscape of shapes and colors. And I kind of like lost my selfness for a while. Um, and then I remember waking up in the ICU probably the next day in Grand Junction and Maggie, my, my girlfriend was there. Uh, my brother and my parents showed up a few days after they had to travel from various places, but, um, I had a lot of support in the hospital. Uh, Maggie was there the entire time. Shout out to, um, Rose Hill at, uh, at St. Mary's. It's like a charitable, it's kind of like the Ronald McDonald house. It's a place that family members can stay for free if there's space and there's need. And so that allowed me to have somebody with me the entire time, the entire three and change weeks that I was in the hospital. Um, and I don't, yeah, I, I never really got back a memory of the fall. Um, and I had never successfully ridden. I still have never successfully ridden that feature. Um, I never will at this point. I have no real need to do that. Um, and I was pretty obsessed. I don't know if obsessed was, is the right word, but I, uh, for a while I was kind of fixated on the, the reason that I fell because, you know, you roll into that fin from the shoulder of the road, you like get up on a little rock pedestal. And then, um, there's kind of one obstacle. There's like this, 
there's either like a high line that you like drop off or there's like a weird little divot that would barf you out left um, into the fall that I took. Uh, and then the rest of it is like kind of a smooth fin roll, like all kinds of, you know, the actual fin roll is like no harder than anything on Slick Rock. Um, it's just really high consequence. And I had walked the feature before to kind of check it out and see if I wanted to do it. And I remember, um, really, I, I really wanted to, I really wanted to ride it, uh, because it seemed cool. It seemed like a fun thing to do on the way home. Um, you know, I like riding trails from my house. You know, I don't mind the pedal up to the the trail. And so, you know, kind of any like dirt or other weird little places I can go in between the trailhead and my house, I'm happy to, to do silly things. Um, so I had been thinking about this feature for a while. And because I don't remember the actual fall and I don't, you know, I, I, I was, I guess what I, what I would have said in the hospital is it's not really like me to just go for stuff that I'm not sure I can do. So I think there's a pretty good likelihood that I was walking my bike and I slipped as much as, you know, I rode and biffed it. Which, from where I'm at now, it kind of doesn't matter because I think that I think kind of what happened to me is I was pretty pretty focused on being kind of internally competitive with you know the other people who I in my in my sphere, you know, who are all like much more experienced riders than me. And I got to a place where it was really probable that I was going to make some kind of bad mistake. And, you know, I mean, I think everyone who rides mountain bikes has close calls all the time and it's kind of just a matter of time. And then like a matter of chance, whether your accident is like consequential or not. And so, um, so I guess I think I was doing some mental gymnastics in order to keep from, to keep from thinking that I had made a mistake, you know, by saying like, well, it's equally probable that I, that I didn't make a mistake at all, that I just slipped and anybody could slip because we all like walk around edges and cliffs all the time. And it's like, you know, then I don't have to change my behavior at all. Uh, and the, you know, the reason that I got hurt is less because I made that specific decision that specific day. Like some of that was chance related and more just because I think I was in an extremely vulnerable segment of, of the sport that I was doing, you know, I knew enough to be like pretty dangerous to myself and I did not have the, I didn't have an internal system of like risk management really at all. I was just kind of like kind of just pushing it because it was really fun. Uh, and 
you know, you never, you never think that it's going to be you that has the accident. I guess just to finish my recovery story out, um, I was at St. Mary's for a little over three weeks. Uh, they have a great accelerated rehab unit there. If you have orthopedic injuries that you need, they, you know, they, they have a whole floor dedicated to teaching you how to be functional in the world outside of a hospital if you have injuries. So I got some, I got really good care. Um, I'm really feel super fortunate that my health insurance worked out. I got good care. I had amazing support from my partner and my family and my friends. Um, I have a job that I could leave and return to. So I knew that I had, you know, an income in the future. Uh, I have a place to live that is, I found out accidentally pretty wheelchair accessible. Um, and I was in a wheelchair for another two months, uh, using a walker a little bit, but walkers really are a pain in the butt, especially if you want to walk around outside on uneven surfaces. Um, I did a bunch of physical therapy, uh, and, um, and now, you know, I'm, what is it? It's the beginning of September. I'm four, maybe four and a half months out and I'm working again. I don't have, uh, a lot of pain. I guess I never said what my injuries actually were. Um, I broke my pelvis mostly on the left side in multiple places and I got uh, a bunch of hardware to pin it back together. I broke my sacrum in half. I got that screwed back together. I have a burst fracture in my L1, which is like a compression fracture, but where the vertebrae explodes in all directions, apparently, uh, which sounds pretty gnarly. And I've had um, back pain issues from work and other dumb things I've done in my life. And so that one was probably the most concerning to me. Um, I didn't have back surgery. They opted to go for a non-surgical treatment. I was in a brace um, for until three months from the three and a half months from the accident. Um, And I have a, now I I have a permanent misalignment. I think it's called a listhesis. Um, And so the doctor said, well, when you take your brace off, if you lose control of your bowels or your legs go numb, then you probably need a fusion. But if you don't, then you're good to go. So um, sort of a little bit nerve wracking weaning myself out of the brace, but I'm happy to report I haven't had issues from that, uh, which I, which is the most surprising thing. Um, but probably the worst injury was my wrist, my left wrist. I shattered my ulnar and radial heads and I had a bunch of metal and a bunch of screws pinning the ends of those bones back together. And then I had an immobilization bar installed to keep, you know, like an internal splint. And they told me at first that I was going to have metal in my wrist for a long time. And then I guess I have excellent bone density. Uh, so they thought I was a good candidate to have the the metal removed. And so now I have, I have a pretty good amount of hand function, 
I have limited wrist mobility. You know, I can't do like I can't put my palm flat on the ground. I can't really do a an open hand push up. Uh, I can give a thumbs up now though, which is cool. You can't see me rotating my hand, but the rotation is pretty exciting. Um, I had a concussion. I cracked my helmet um, in a few places. Uh, it probably saved my life. Um, you know, I fell, I think I fell onto rock, and so I'm sure that I hit my head pretty hard. Um, and I had cognitive effects in the hospital, but they went away in three or four weeks. I had a shorter attention span. I had, um, uh, I had trouble reading and I had trouble having a conversation longer than maybe 10 minutes for a while. Um, but I am really happy to report that brain injury was not, not a big issue for me. Uh, so if you're wondering if you should get the MIPS helmet, get the MIPS helmet, just uh, you don't know what's going to happen. The hospital is a weird place to be. This is the most I've ever interacted with hospitals, nurses, doctors in my life. And so it was a new experience, largely. Um, parts of it were kind of fun in a way because it's absurd. It's an absurd experience to be in a hospital. You have no privacy and people just come in and do stuff to you whenever they want to, and it's goofy. And some of the nurses are goofy. And so I tried, I had some fun times trying to get to know the nurses or tell them jokes or be silly. Um, but you know, your scope is really limited when you're in a hospital. Uh, and so it wasn't until I got home, which I was really looking forward to because I didn't know when I was going to leave. You know, they kept, um, changing my discharge date. I had a hematoma in my pelvis that they had to remove that was about five pounds, about the size of a novelty nerf football in my like abdominal region that kind of just sprung up one day and they thought it might be infected. And they told me all this really scary stuff about needing a pick line and taking antibiotics for like a year. But thankfully, thankfully that was not the case. It was just like a slow bleed that got sealed up. Um, but when I got home, it was a lot harder because I was in a familiar place and um, had to kind of form totally new routines with my girlfriend and with, you know, I like not being able to the locomote on my own very much. And I'm, I'm someone who has, you know, if I'm having a if I'm having anxiety or if I'm stressed out or if I'm upset about something, most of the time I'll go do something to deal with that feeling. It calms me down. You know, it gives me some like space to work out my feelings or just kind of expend some of my internal energy externally. And I couldn't really do that. And so some of, some of my, I think some of my distress was just from the newness and the conditions of the situation. And then there was also, you know, a lot of uncertainty about what was my, you know, how much was I going to recover? And I was pretty focused on, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get right back out there. 
I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go walk up Dave's trail as soon as I can, uh, which I have done since then, but I wasn't giving myself a whole lot of space to to just like be hurt because uh, I think, yeah, one of the things I've realized about myself and largely through conversations with my partner, with my girlfriend, Maggie, about this is, um, is the way that I act in a lot of situations, you know, in, in work, in outdoor pursuits is I'm always kind of like trying to like push, push myself past the point of comfort just a little bit. And, um, it's really difficult for me to, to dial it back. You know, I guess in terms of, you know, you're cragging for the day, you're like, well, I'm kind of tired, but maybe one more climb or, uh, or like, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to fall off, but I'm going to try and do like one more move or something, which sometimes, you know, is a really good problem solving tool. And it's been very useful to me in my life to be able to do that, to like kind of push my limits and exceed them. And, you know, you get a lot of, you get a lot of positive feedback for that a lot of times. But, um, if you, if, if pushing, you know, if you don't, I guess I don't know what would have satisfied me really. Like what, you know, when, when is it okay to stop? pushing yourself you know when it when are you tired enough to call it for the day you know do you have to be absolutely just totally bonked or you know start bleeding from your hands or your legs or you know whatever in order to justify that you like did enough that day or do you have to be just like so totally blasted at work that you know to to have it have been a a good day and uh so that's that's something that i'm kind of examining a lot now is uh you know when i return to i've already returned to work and and i'm kind of trying to be conservative with my energy expenditures so that i don't you know re-injure my back or injure my wrist or just wear myself out because I have pretty um, significantly lower stamina than I did before my accident because I like didn't do any aerobic activity for like three months um, and uh, yeah and when I I guess you know if and when I return to the various outdoor hobbies and sports that I have enjoyed. I, um, I think it's going to, I think I'm going to have a struggle to kind of, to rein myself in. Um, because a lot of my identity has been related to that, which is really like an internal thing. You know, it's like not something that people, um, see you know you're just like out there riding your bike or climbing or hiking with somebody or maybe they do and I'm totally oblivious to it and I'm like the 
Um, I mean, I don't think I'm a sandbagger, but but maybe. Uh, mostly just because I've, you know, if I'm pushing myself and somebody else is uncomfortable, I think it's been hard for me to to have awareness of of people outside of myself in those situations because I'm because I'm really focused on on what I'm doing. I guess I've been I've been really surprised that my physical recovery has gone as well as it has. Um, I feel very normal aside from my wrist. And if I, you know, if I don't, if I'm sitting in a chair and I'm not moving at all, I feel almost no effects of it physically. And I sort of thought that I would be um, a lot more messed up. Uh, And I feel very, I feel super grateful for that. Um, And... I've also been surprised with kind of where this has taken me emotionally and psychologically kind of into myself and into what my, what my motivations are because I was so, you know, I was, I guess I feel like this is an appropriate word in the hospital. I was totally stoked to immediately return to biking and, um, and I, I guess I kind of felt like uh, I was going to be, you know, triumphantly returning to it. And, you know, and from where I'm at now, I think that I, I have some, I have some more, I think it would not be a bad thing for me to take it really slow to get back into whatever I end up getting back into. Um, life is long hopefully and uh, I got to do some cool things at home that I wouldn't have done otherwise if I wasn't you know laid up made some made some weird little art things and uh, thought about thought about stuff I wouldn't have thought about and uh, I guess yeah I mean people in Moab are by and large and maybe on a shallow level socially identified by the sports that they do at least in some like social circles and uh, it kind of makes me think that I would do well to to let you know the the non-sport things be a bigger part of my identity, um, both to anticipate a time when I can't do stuff anymore, or another time, hopefully not, but another potential time that I. I'm unable to do stuff. I mean, and that could be from a life event that it is an injury. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess I'm happy to diversify my personal 
hobby portfolio. That's kind of a dry way of saying that, but you get what I mean. I will certainly ride a bicycle again. I already have ridden a bicycle just down the street to go to Moonflower. Um, and I love, I love bicycles. I love riding them. I love being on them. I think they're fun and weird and cool. I don't know if I will, well, I will probably do something that could be called mountain biking again, but I think I will need to do it from a different place of motivation because um, because if I don't, then I feel like prob my you know the the probability that I will get injured again because I'm you know I'm gonna want to see like what I can do after my injury and uh and the only like the end point of that is like more injury you know like unless I become you know, world downhill champion or something, which is, uh, has about a 0% chance of happening. Um, and I really have no interest in doing that either. Uh, that like definitely falls into the like scary things that are almost certainly going to mess you up. Um, rock climbing. I feel like in a lot of ways is much safer um, however, I don't know what my wrist is going to be able to do. Um, so, and at least in this part of my life, I don't, I, I feel, I feel less motivated to go do a whole bunch of climbing. Um, but that might be a good thing. That might be an easier place to to kind of culture a new relationship with it from. The other thing that this has really affected in my life, aside from me and my internal psychological landscape is, you know, I'm in a long-term relationship and, uh, you know, my, my partner stayed with me in the hospital the whole time. It took, you know, three weeks to be away from our house and, uh, you know, and my family came, I got to watch my parents look at their child in a hospital bed and in a wheelchair. And, um, I guess, you know, from my perspective, I sort of think that parts of this were easier on me than on the people who helped care for me because I had body feedback the whole time and I could, think like, well, I'm definitely alive, you know, or uh, I'm definitely feeling better than I did yesterday, but I'm still in a hospital bed and it's really hard on, you know, if you've ever had to care for a sick family member or a parent who is, you know, on their way out of this world or, you know, it's just really difficult to see somebody you love suffering. And I mean, did I suffer like a bit? you know, I would categorize it in the, um, you know, because I had, because I was in such great 
care the whole time. I never really was afraid that I wasn't going to make it. Um, but, uh, now, you know, part of, part of my, part of my psychological recovery and, um, and thinking about returning to activity is, is a lot about thinking about like, how do your decisions affect other people? And, you know, are you a solo cool person who's out, you know, like, uh, you know, like who am I proving stuff to? Because, you know, the people in my life who I really care about don't care if I rock climb or mountain bike, you know, at the end of the day, like I could be, um, I could be an accordion player or I could be, uh, a traffic, uh, cop, or I could be, um, you know, a sanitation, uh, administrator or whatever. Um, and I would still be me. And, you know, it's, I guess it's less of, and I think living in, in, in Moab or any kind of place where people identify so strongly with recreational activities um, can kind of cloud the appropriate place for that in your identity or my identity. You know, I can really only speak for myself here. Um, So I guess now, you know, when I moving forward, asking the question, what is worth it? I have a really good example of how, you know, getting into a really risky place affected people who I really care about and don't want to, you know, I don't want them to be freaked out about me all the time. I don't want them to be scared that I'm, you know, laying at the bottom of a cliff somewhere. And you know, before, I think the way that I thought about this before was, was, was almost not at all, really, you know, I mean, and I don't know how much, I'm not sure how much you really can think about risk in a concrete way, if nothing bad has ever happened to you in those situations, because it's all, it's all hypothetical, and you feel like you're so in control all the time. But I guess um, I listened to a great podcast uh, where um, Cody Townsend was talking about his rules about skiing. Um, He's a professional skier and does horrifying, awful, dangerous stuff in the mountains. And, uh, you know, I never really want to be in a situation where I have to worry about avalanches, but he was talking about having rules, uh, that you come up with when you're not in a situation where you could like make a decision to get some like pleasure out of skiing down a hill or riding down a hill or whatever. Um, and then having to follow them religiously because it's really easy to just see the narrow, Um, the narrow outcomes or the narrow situation when you're, you know, uh, staring down 
a rock drop or, you know, about to go run it out 20 feet to a ledge or something or, you know, and, and not to think of the wider, um, scope of like, you know, is this, am I going to be, am I going to be sad I didn't do this or am I going to be like happy that I didn't have a day where I was scared for my life, you know? And I guess having some concrete examples of that now, uh, it feels really different than it did before. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. Risk assessment is a, is a slippery game. So, yeah. So I guess, you know, coming up with, coming up with rules and, and like having, making space in your life for, for other things. So it's, you know, easy for you to think about like, Oh, I have a lot of other stuff going on. Like I'm not, I don't need to measure my self-worth with, you know, this 10 second, um, increment of sport. Um, and you know, it can then, you know, maybe you can still do difficult stuff, but I guess for me, I'm realizing that I should be, it would be a good metric for me to keep it on the level of fun rather than on the level of, you know, is this going to work out or not? Because not working out doesn't just mean it doesn't work out for me. It doesn't work out for, you know, a bunch of people. So, and that's true for everybody. You can catch Great Wide Open on the KZMU Airwaves every second Monday of the month at 4 p.m. Archives are at kzmu.org or on your podcast player at KZMU Public Affairs.